You've got uh, two days. And the countdown is really here. Two days. Any last-minute shopping, any last-minute baking or wrapping of gifts. Uh, before I jump into the, to today's sermon, I just wanted to take a minute to recognize again those that helped us uh, prepare such a wonderful Christmas program last week. And uh, that was just really fantastic with the kids and the choir, and it was really quite the production. And so I just wanted to thank our choir, thank all of those that worked with the kids, and uh, just how, what a blessing that was. Today is the last Sunday before Christmas, as we know, and so it is the last in our series, our Christmas series that we have called Unwrapping Christmas, really getting at the heart of what is Christmas all about. And just with that theme in mind, I wasn't actually looking for this, but I came across a quote this week in, one of the, uh, in, in a book that I am reading, and, I, and as soon as I read it, I thought, That's what I want to open with this Sunday in the sermon. Okay, let me share this quote. It comes from an author by the name of James K.A. Smith in his book, "You you, You Are What You Love. Here is the quote. The creator of the universe meets us in this way, enfolding us into his care by meeting us in the sun become flesh. There's that Christmas idea. The sun become flesh. God meets us. The creator of the universe meets us in the birth of his son. And then the next sentence is the one that got me. Jesus is the smile of God. Let's, uh, can we say that together one time? Jesus is the smile of God. When Jesus comes, it is God's smile. His looking upon this earth and his just Uh, filling up, being filled with love and just smiling upon the the world that he has created. Now, albeit that is a world that is messed up in many ways, a world that has been affected by sin, a world in which people have gone astray, but nonetheless, his face is filled with a smile as he looks upon the earth. Jesus is the smile of God. And so this morning we want to consider that smile. Consider the smile of God in the birth of Jesus and consider the smile of God upon each one of us individually as he looks upon our life. May we receive his love. And so that is the gist of this message. Let's just go before the Lord and ask for his help as we look at his word. Father God, I thank you for what we gather together today to celebrate. We gather together today to celebrate Christmas, the coming of your son Jesus. And the angels announced it so perfectly in the skies on the night when Christ was born. They said that we are to rejoice because the Savior of the world has come. And so God, we just thank you for the salvation that you have brought through your son Jesus. And we pray that on this uh, Sunday before Christmas this year, that again you would focus our hearts, focus our minds, so that we can give you the praise and the honor that you deserve. And so I just pray that you would come now and speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. When Jesus came, he came as the smile of God. He was the perfect representation of who God is and uh, and all of uh, 
and all of what God wants to communicate to this world. And so this morning I want to ask this question, how did Jesus learn to love so perfectly? He came and lived a perfect sinless life, right? How did he learn to love so perfectly? The answer has to be obvious, right? It is because he's God. He's God in human flesh. He is the Son of God. And so the natural reaction would be, well, it is because he takes after his heavenly Father. Like Father, like Son. Like the, like the Father in heaven, like the Son on earth. And this is, has to be true. Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of the Father's uh, nature. And so we know that whatever we see in Jesus, we see in God the Father. His love, His grace, His mercy, His holiness, His justice, His patience. And so as I was thinking about this this week, like Father, like Son, I went back and read the Christmas story and there was something that jumped off the page. It is the idea that When the angel appears to Mary, there are so many points there in which it is not only like father, like son, but it is like mother, like son. And I actually was planning on uh, preaching a different message this morning, but this idea just kept coming back to me. Like mother, like son. At so many points in the... the, uh, angel coming to Mary, we see from Jesus' life that he imitates his mother. Isn't that interesting? Our parents uh, influence us more than anyone in our lives, right? We take after our parents. We take after, we receive morals and values from our parents. But not only that, not only the morals and the values that are instilled in us, how we display those comes from what we see from our mom and our dad. We pick up little characteristics, right? We begin to talk like our mom or, or, or our dad. We say those same type of things. We react to situations just the same. Jesus surely uh, inherited his morals and values and character from the God the Father. But maybe he learned obedience. Maybe he learned how to display all of those things, at least in part, from his mother. Let's turn to the Christmas story, Luke chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 26 through 38, but I'm going to pause here at different points just to point out a couple things related to this idea of like mother, like son. Luke 26, it says, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And so we're introduced to Jesus' mother. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. Almost as if that's her name, that title. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. And she became, and she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, mother, or be, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Twice that idea, O favored one, you have found favor with God. 
Mary is favored of the Lord. In other words, she's blessed of God. And surely that is not something she earned. That is, uh, God's blessing is grace. But somehow God looked upon this earth and he could have chosen anyone. But somehow he, he saw Mary and felt that she was the one to be the, to be the mother of our Lord. And maybe it was her faithfulness. Maybe it was her obedience. But Mary was favored of God. And I see the exact same thing in the life of Jesus. Just fast forward a little bit to Jesus' baptism. A voice comes from heaven in which says, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. You're my favorite one. You're my favored one. And so, within, uh, and so the point is, in both Mary and Jesus, they had the favor of God. Let's pick up the Christmas story again. Verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. You see, as uh, the angel uh, announces to Mary, Jesus will be considered great. He will be seen by others and it will be recognized that he is great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. That idea of being recognized as great by others is something that Mary experiences as well. Later in chapter 1, Mary says, For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. Both Mary and Jesus had greatness in the eyes of others. Verse 34, And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered him, the, the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child will be called, uh, to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son and this is the sixth and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren for nothing will be impossible with God Mary says how can this be I'm a virgin there's no way that I could bear a son and and the angel says it will be because of the holy spirit in you And so the Holy Spirit begins to work in Mary's life. And the Holy Spirit is at work, we see, obviously, in the life of Jesus as well. There is a partnership. And so Jesus, even though he was God himself, he went and he prayed to his heavenly Father and he was strengthened by the Spirit. He was given words to say and revealed God's will. So that he even says in John 12, 49, For I do not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. Here is the third point. Both Mary and Jesus received the Holy Spirit's help. And then lastly, one more verse, verse 39. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed her. I love that verse, actually. 
I have a home, I have an office at my home that uh, I built and I made it just the way I wanted it. And I have one verse that is up on the wall, and it is this verse. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. What we see here in Mary's life is this resignation to God's will. Whatever it is, Mary says, that is what I do. I, I am your servant. And is that not the exact same attitude that we see in the life of Jesus? Throughout his life, he was always resigned, surrendered to do whatever the, the, God the Father asked him to do. On his last night, on the, uh, he celebrates the Lord's Supper with his disciples. And then he goes, as was his habit, to the Garden of Gethsemane. And as he goes, he takes three of his disciples with him, Peter and James and John. And it says that he goes on a little ways beyond them and he begins to pray. And it is a prayer that is full of anxiety. God, if there is any way, take this cup from me. He goes back and he sees Mary. Uh, he goes back and he sees Peter, James, and John asleep. He says, "Wake up! Pray that you do not fall into temptation." And again, he goes and he prays in the garden, and it says that his sweat becomes like drops of blood. The anxiety of having to die on the cross is before him. Again, the disciples have fallen asleep, and he tells them, "Pray." Pray that God would strengthen you. And he goes back into the garden and then he resigns to the Lord's will. And he says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Both Mary and Jesus had humble resignation to God's will. And so for Jesus, it is like father, like son. It is surely also like mother, like son. Mary was a special godly woman, and she was chosen to be the mother of God for a reason. And just as our parents have great influence in our lives, so Mary surely had influence in Jesus' life as well. There are very few verses in the Bible that talk about Jesus' childhood after his birth. Luke 2.52 is one of those few verses, and it says there, And is not this an interesting verse? And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. And Jesus grew. He never sinned. He never disobeyed God the Father. But in some way, he grew. And he grew in his obedience. He grew in how to love people and how to be gracious, how to be dependent and and obedient to the Lord. And I have to believe that his mother Mary had influence on him. And so if it is true, like father, like son, like, like mother, like son, then for us it has to be true as well, like the Son of God, like children of God. We are to take after Jesus. We are to look like him, to love like him, to treat others the way that he treats them. In fact, the verse was just read a moment ago as Marissa read, All people will know that you are my disciples, Jesus said, if you love one another. It is like son, like children of God. You see, in all the ways that we just read, those of us who are followers of Jesus, all these things are true of us as well. Did you know that you are favored of God? 
that if Jesus were to appear before us right now, if you are a believer in him, he would say, O favored one, you have been favored of God, you have been blessed of the Lord. Romans 4, 7 7 says, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man uh, against whom the Lord does not count his sin. If we have been forgiven, we have been blessed. We have been favored of God. Did you know that if you are a believer in Christ and you seek to live a godly, pure, holy life, you will be considered great in the eyes of others? Not that this is something we seek, but it is a natural byproduct. It is something that flows out of our lives when we seek to be faithful to God. That's what we saw in the early church. We just spent the last, what, seven, eight months going through the book of Acts. The early church enjoyed the favor of all the people. And Jesus taught us in the Sermon on the Mount, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and pray and praise your Father in heaven. The third point, the partnership with the Holy Spirit. Is that not true for us as well? That we join, that we are partners with the Holy Spirit? Uh, Jesus himself said, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another, what's the word used for the Holy Spirit? Another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. And finally, we have a humble resignation to God's will in our lives. That that the life of faith is growing to surrender more and more of our lives to Christ. As Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Or as Jesus said, may your will be done, not my own will. And so all of these things are a gift from God. These things, as we said, are the smile of God upon us. And so what is the right response to God's smile to us? It is to smile back. If Jesus is the smile of God, then we can smile back to God with our own love. As Jesus said, we are to love one another. That is the Advent theme that we are focusing on today is the idea of love. 1 John 4, 19. Let's read this verse together, actually. 1 John 4, 19. It's a very short verse. Okay, we're on the screen. Here we go. We love because He first loved us. That is the smile of God upon us, and our correct response is to smile back. We love because He first loved us. My son Dawson is here this morning. He's now eight years old. But I remember Dawson when he was a newborn baby. And I remember just taking him up in my arms like the first couple days after he was born and just smiling from ear to ear, just smiling. It just, you know, just not, can't do nothing but poop his diaper and drink from his mom. But uh, just so happy to have him in my in my arms and just smiled. And you know what? Did Dawson smile back? Dawson was a very serious little kid. Just looks back at me. For about four weeks, 
I'd just take Dawson up, and it's just such a natural thing, just smiling at him, never smile back. And I wonder if God, when he sends his son Jesus to earth, and Jesus is the smile of God, does the earth smile back at, at God? And I have to believe that for, for many, they do not recognize the smile of God. They do not recognize that this is the love of God in the person of Jesus. But I do remember the day, and Dawson was probably three or three and a half, four weeks old or so, and sitting there smiling at Dawson, and all of a sudden, he smiles back. And the joy that filled my heart, he smiled at me. He loves me. And so you take him up in your arms, and he smiled back. And God smiles upon this earth, and there are so many that do not recognize his smile. But then once in a while, there are those who smile back. That is actually what it means to be saved. We recognize the smile of God. We recognize the gift of his love given through the person of Jesus, and we smile back. And we say, God, I want you in my life. I just, I love to have your presence with me. That is how we become Christians. We smile back. When Jesus came to this earth, I have to believe that there were many who did not smile back. In fact, I'm sure Mary did. She held this little baby in her arms, and we know that the shepherds came, and they worshiped Jesus on the night that he was born. But those are the only ones that we know of that rejoice in the moment, the only earthly ones at least. There were many who were just indifferent, didn't know out of ignorance, didn't recognize who he was. There were some who had hostile, uh, uh, had a hostile reaction to him. Herod himself tried to put all the babies to death to get rid of this one child. And so there were many who did not smile back. In fact, it might have been Not three and a half, four weeks. It might have been 30 years or so. And even then, many did not respond towards a smile. But every once in a while, someone did. Remember the story of Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus is described as a short little guy. And uh, he's a tax collector, has this bad reputation of having Uh, ripped a lot of people off and taken money he shouldn't have had. But he hears that Jesus is coming to town, and so he climbs up in a tree just to get a glimpse of this man, Jesus. And Jesus, when he comes back, he recognizes, or he sees Zacchaeus up there, and he says, Zacchaeus, you come down. I'm going to go to your house today. And Zacchaeus comes down, and he he gets to his house, and he brings Jesus in. And all of a sudden, Zacchaeus recognizes the smile of God. And he says, I'm going to sell, I'm going to get rid of all my stuff. I'm going to pay back anyone that I have ripped off twice fold. And I'm, going to, and I'm going to bless others as well. And so Zacchaeus, he recognizes the smile of God and he smiles back. Mary and Martha, they have Jesus over into, into their home. And Mary is there sitting at the feet of Jesus. And I just see the 
smile on her face, just so happy to be in the presence of Jesus. Martha's back in the back room getting all the food ready, and she's just getting more and more frustrated by the moment until she bursts out of the kitchen and says, Jesus, don't you care that my, that you, my sister has left me to do all the work? And Jesus looks at her and says, Martha, Martha. It's almost, this is pre-Brady Bunch days, right? But it says, Martha, Martha, you are concerned with Many things, but one thing is most important. And that is simply to sit at my feet and to smile, to be in my presence. You see, Mary recognized the smile of God and smiled back. There was a woman who was known by everyone to be a prostitute. I mean, had a terrible reputation. And she finds out that Jesus is going to be at someone's house on a certain day at a certain hour. And she barges in, definitely not invited. She's the type of woman that you would never invite into your home. And yet she barges in and she begins to pour her expensive perfume, probably the stuff that she has used many times over to attract men, begins to pour it all over Jesus. And the tears are coming down her face so much so that over her feet, she wets Jesus' feet, over Jesus' feet, she wets his feet with her tears and begins to dry him with her hair. Now there are tears flowing down her cheeks, but I have to imagine that there is a smile on her face. All the others in the room said, Gee, if Jesus knew what, who this woman was, he'd tell her to get lost. But Jesus knew that she did this out of gratitude. And he turns to the others in the room and he says, who do you think loved more? Was it the one that has been forgiven little or the one who has been forgiven much? And the thought is that this woman has been forgiven much. You see, she recognized the smile of God and she smiled back. Nicodemus came to Jesus late at night at an hour in which no one else would see him. And he comes in and he's he's supposed to be a teacher. He's a Pharisee, well recognized by all to be this man of wisdom. And he has heard Jesus' teaching and some of it just doesn't quite make sense. And he asks Jesus, how is it that a woman, that a man could enter into a, a woman's womb a second time to be born? And Jesus begins to go on and to teach him again what it means that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have eternal life. John three sixteen. Now, Nicodemus, it doesn't say that he accepted Christ that night. He left inconspicuously again. But you know what? Nicodemus shows up one more time in the last chapter in John. After Jesus has been uh, crucified, it says that Nicodemus, the one who came to him at night, came to prepare his body for burial. You see, it took a while, but Nicodemus recognized the smile of God and smiled back. And so here is my question for us today. On this Sunday before Christmas, do you recognize the smile of God in your life? In fact, I want to treat that not just as a rhetorical question, but I think it would be quite meaningful if we actually took a moment 
to search our hearts and to recognize where God has smiled upon us. Where do you recognize the smile of God to you? Maybe it is the invitation like Zacchaeus reached, uh, received to come, for Jesus to come into your life and into your home. Maybe it is to simply rest in the presence of God through the Holy Spirit in you like Mary did. Maybe it is an overwhelming understanding that you have been forgiven so much like the woman who washed Jesus' feet with her tears in her hair. And maybe it is the new life that he has brought through his son Jesus, a second birth to be born again. And maybe it is something completely different. But if we take a minute and if we uh, ponder the smile of God upon our lives, I bet you can think of something. I bet if we take a minute, we can recognize the smile of God upon you. Let me just give us a minute. I did this this morning before this Sunday's sermon, and I just want to give you an opportunity as well to take a minute. Where do you recognize the smile of God to you this morning? In fact, I've given you space on your notes if you want to write it down, but otherwise I'm just going to give us a minute of silence along these lines. There is tremendous joy in recognizing the smile of God. In fact, it is a joy that naturally responds in a smile back to Him. It is a joy that fills our hearts. And, it, and as we smile back, I am sure it is a joy that fills the heart of God as well. We love because He first loved us, right? We love because He first loved us. Those who do not love God are those who have not recognized how much God has loved them. But God, but God loves us and he shows himself over and over again in, in, that, in the gift of his Son, in the, Holy, in the gift of his Holy Spirit within us. Everyone has the capacity to love. I believe that with all my heart. Everyone has the capacity to love. Why? Because we are created in the image of God. And we know that God is love. But oftentimes that seed of love in us can lie dormant for a long time until a child, until a person is ready to receive the smile of God and to receive Christ into their lives. Christmas is, the celebra- is a celebration because we can take time to recognize the smile of God upon us in the coming of Jesus. Just as no child can be awakened to love without being loved, so too the human heart can come to an understanding of God without, no human heart can come to an understanding of God without the free gift of God's grace through the birth, death, and resurrection of his son Jesus. 
This is the good news of the Christmas story. Jesus came to this earth to be born in a manger, but his ultimate purpose was to die on the cross for our salvation. To receive the gift of salvation is to receive the love of God. To be saved is to recognize the smile of God upon us and to smile back. Someone recently asked me, how, do I, how can I really know that I am a Christian? How can I have that confidence? I oftentimes have so much doubt. And my answer to that type of question is always the same. Do you love Jesus? Like, not all the time, but do you love him? I mean, that's, yes, love him all the time. But my point is, do you love him right now? Do you have faith in him right now? If those that love him and have faith in him, they are the ones who have received the gift of salvation. The, the smile of a cherishing mother or father that evokes the smile of an infant is a microcosm of a cosmic truth. That God's gracious initiative in the birth of Christ is the provoking smile of the Creator, granting even the grace that allows us to return the smile, to love Him because He first loved us. Is Fernando Reyes here? Fernando, uh, no, not this Fernando Reyes, a different Fernando. We have two Fernando Reyeses. Fernando Reyes is, uh, I see his kids waving. Is Fernando here? No, okay, he is not, okay. I thought Fernando uh, told me he wanted to come up and uh, thank the church this morning. Fernando, I, to me, that was a long shot, I'll be honest, and so it doesn't Fernando had hip surgery this past week. And uh, Fernando had, uh, has had a really difficult last, I would say, six months. Just been in tremendous amount of pain in his hip Several times he's come into my office and we've prayed for him. God, just give him relief. He was supposed to have surgery in February. And the doctors moved, uh, moved it up. And almost, it was almost like an emergency hip surgery. They, put, they did it this week, Monday. It's amazing to me how fast those things can go now. He had hip surgery on Monday, was sent home the, next, the same day. Can you believe that? But... I, the reason I, uh, uh, Fernando said he wanted to come and thank the church, and so I'll thank him on his behalf for your prayers for him. But I have been so impressed with how Fernando, his attitude throughout all this pain and suffering. A few weeks ago, Fernando uh, uh, came and he said, Pastor Corey, I want to buy Christmas presents for a family in need in the church. And so I, immediately I knew what Fernando was thinking. A few years ago, Fernando had lost his job several months before Christmas. And he wasn't sure if he was going to be able to buy Christmas presents for his kids. And uh, God was gracious. And there were some that provided. And he was able to give several presents. And so I said, I know where this is coming from, right, Fernando? You want to pay it forward. You want to do what someone did for you several years ago? And he said, yes, that's exactly right. And so this afternoon, we have the blessing of going and delivering Christmas presents to a family in need. But this idea of paying it forward seems to, be, to me to be a good application for today's message.
like the Son of God, like the children of God. As John said, we love because he first loved us. We smile back because he has first smiled upon us. Have you received grace from God? Then I encourage us to extend grace to others. Has God been patient with you? Then I encourage you to be patient with others. Has God richly blessed you and lavished his life out of his love out upon you? Then I encourage you to be generous with your love towards others. And so this leads us, we're being very specific with our application this morning. This leads us to our second application question, and that is, what could you do to be more like Jesus? In other words, how could you smile back? Where is God calling you to be more like Jesus? And I'd like you to think of an application, make a mental note, or even write it down on your sermon notes. Think of one thing for this week. What is it for this week that you could do to smile back, to be more like Jesus? I'm going to give us a moment and, uh, to answer that question, and then I will close in prayer. So let's take a moment and just reflect upon these questions. How has God smiled upon you? How can you smile back? What could you do to be more like Jesus? Let's think about this for a second. Father God, I thank you for the love that we have received through the coming of your Son, Jesus. And God, as we are here this morning, this last Sunday before Christmas, we just want our hearts to be focused and to recognize how much you have blessed blessed us, to recognize your smile upon us. And God, I pray that we would be able to smile back. God, I pray for anyone that is in this room right now that has not received you as their Savior and Lord. God, I I recognize that this is a work of your Spirit. I pray that your Holy Spirit would touch them even right now and help them to place their faith in you and to receive your love. God, I thank you for all of us that have already seen the smile of God and we are just right now in this moment smiling back at you because we thank you for how much you have loved us and we pray for your help to love as you have first loved us. Help us even this week to love family and friends that we will see, to really pour out grace and mercy and patience to those that are in our lives and help us to look like Jesus. God, I thank you that Jesus represented who you are so well, and I pray that our lives would look like you, that we would do the type of things that Jesus did, that we would do them in the type of way that Jesus would do them if he were us, that we would do the things that Jesus taught us to do. 
And God, may you just give us grace and strength to be representations of you, to be representatives of you, to show who you are in our lives. And so we pray that it would be like Son of God, like children of God, that we would be like, uh, that we would look like your children as we love others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.